Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. What's going on? Welcome to Bet the Edge with Drew Dinsick. I'm Sarah Perlman. And big thanks to those of you joining us on our NBC Sports Edge YouTube channel today. Week two of the NFL season is almost here, and points bet head trader Jay Croucher is joining us. So we're going to find out how bettors are attacking tonight's matchup in Washington. Plus, if everyone is still backing the favorites this week after underdogs just rolled in week one, we're also going to be joined by Dan Beaver. And trust me, you'll want to hear his handicap of NASCAR's Saturday race with the playoff shifting to Bristol, including some dark horses that he has his eye on. We have all that plus edge of the day coming up right here on Bet the Edge powered by PointsBet. Another NFL day, Drew. I'm fired up. I have placed only one wager on this game. I know we're going to break down the Washington hosting the New York Giants later today, but for what it's worth, this total keeps ticking down now sitting at 40 and a half in the Washington football and New York Giants game, but there are a ton of other games through with extremely high totals. Right now, there are six games with 50 plus point totals. And I know one that you eyed earlier in the week was the Cowboys and Chargers. That's up to 55 and a half, Drew. Yeah, the totals have been a lot of fun to watch the board. And the, honestly, Thursday, one of the best days of the, the week for if you're an NFL better. Absolutely yes. love seeing the market mature like this. And uh, this is absolutely the best time of year. Before getting too deep into the total discussion, I have to wish you a happy birthday, Sarah. Thank you. Thank you. As well. you well know. <laughs> Oh, of course. Uh, if you're watching on YouTube, of course, we're giving Sarah the, uh, the deserved happy birthday treatment today. Uh, usually it's a tradition in the gambling industry that uh, you get, you know, if, if you're like, hey, it's my birthday, I need a birthday pick today, you know, we'll give pick you a winner. So uh, we, we may lean on you, though, and ask you to give people the birthday pick today. Well, I'm going to rely on other people to tweet me your best play and maybe it's an extra <laughs> lucky day. But for anyone not watching that hat on me, I wish I had the real version because that's a, that's a good look on your girl over here. <laughs> But yeah, let's uh, let's talk a little <laughs> bit about you. some of these uh, NFL market movements and some of the totals. You're right. The totals are high across the board today. Uh, average total over 48, which is, um, you know, that's a decent adjustment. We saw the you know, average totals in the 47 and a half range week one. And yeah, this is really being driven by a couple of totals that, uh, you know, kind of are trickling up into the mid 50s, both the Chargers and the uh, Chiefs game right now sitting in a 55 and a half. Uh, and, you know, it, it makes sense. Last year, this time, 
totals you could not lose on an over it felt like there was just an absolute explosion of points there were lots of reasons behind it but ultimately it came down to the way offensive holding was called was kind of the key issue there uh and the nfl did adjust over the course of the season where they kind of worked their way back into the you know kind of being a little bit more aggressive in defending offensive holding uh and you know you got the feel watching week one that uh in general the refs were not going to let anything slide uh maybe the crowd noise and you know kind of disrupted a little bit of the offensive line communication uh, and you saw scoring down a bit from what we had week one last year. I think the average total in week one was exactly 48, believe it or not. So uh, right now, the average expectation, median expectation, both 24 points is what you were expected to get to if you were a team in the NFL uh, in this current scoring environment. So uh, anything that's over 48, you better have a darn good reason that you're betting an over. Uh, and uh, in general, that the idea that, oh, well, these are two good offenses, so I'm going to play the over. That's insane. The idea that you're the only person in the market that recognizes that Dallas has a, a good offense and a bad defense, like you're not the only person that knows that. And so in general, surely that is built into the line. <laughs> surely it is. And in fact, that's why it moved from 52 to 56. So, you know, it's, it's a, uh, uh, you know, it, when you get up into these higher totals, a couple things to keep in mind. You need a little bit of uh, positive variance in your direction. You need touchdowns, not field goals, because uh, you only have a certain amount of offensive possessions in any given game. So you still do need things to break your way to a degree. Pace is important as well. Uh, and then game state matters. So, you know, you, you know, a game like uh, Dallas Chargers, where I bet over 52, Part of my thinking in that was literally, well, Dallas has, you know, has such a questionable pass defense at this point. And oh, by the way, they lose, you know, their best player on the defensive line for most of, if not the entire season with the broken foot yesterday. Uh, you know, they're going to have a difficult time getting off the field, which means the Chargers likely pass their way to a lead and put Dallas in comeback mode. And Dallas is excellent in comeback mode. They can pass protect like as well as anyone else in the league. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, the degree when they're not running the football, when they're not wasting downs, handing off to Zeke Elliott, their offense is that much more dynamic so you know you can get the best of this uh this team in that game state so that's why that one makes sense to me but uh some of these other ones are pretty high i'm in complete agreement with you i wish i got in on the cowboys and the chargers prior to this line skyrocketed of course you mentioned the injury to demarcus lawrence he is now out for quite some time that only hurts their secondary that's the over i like before we move on i am curious to get your opinion not on the titan seahawks which by the way 54 does stand out because the seahawks have a really good defense and their offense looked lost in game one without art smith i do lean under in that one but a game i'm curious to get your opinion on this total sitting at 52 here drew is the falcons playing the buccaneers because in the first two drives for atlanta and certainly when we talked last week about atlanta playing the eagles we thought that offense would be able to get it going now they're playing a much much better defense. And that's what stands out to me. They're on the road. They're playing Tampa Bay. I am ultimately curious to see what you make of this total. Of course, we know Tampa's going to put up points. Their defense on the Falcon side did not impress most of us in week one, but they scored six points against Philly. So at 52, unless the Bucs are scoring 40 something points, I find it really difficult to match that 52 here. We are on the same page there. The biggest disappointment in all of NFL week one for me was Art Smith's uh, kind of approach to that offensive game plan for Atlanta against yeah. Philadelphia. I didn't understand it. It looked, he looked lost. And, uh, you know, it, that's disappointing because I had high hopes for him as a head coach. Uh, and we didn't see any of the plus EV stuff that we saw with him in Tennessee. So there is a lot to pay attention to in this one, because if that was fluky, if that's not who he is, then uh, we got problems in Atlanta this year. 
Um, and you're you're right. Uh, Tampa Bay's defense was embarrassed. Uh, I thought really Absolutely. in general against Dallas in Week One, uh, they could not get off the field at important times during that game. And a ton of it was because that the, the just the way they play. Uh, you know, they rely heavily on an aggressive blitzing scheme and put their cornerbacks uh, you know in harm's way. <laughs> they let those leave those guys on islands. And if your offense is doing a good job of pass pro in you know clear passing downs, and or if your offense you know if if the offense you're playing against does a good job of a adjusting and hitting you with the kind of the dink and dunk uh, short passing attack and takes the five, seven yards when you're giving them to them, which is what Dallas did, then you're going to matriculate the ball down the field and you're going to score points. And I don't see Atlanta necessarily being able to do that. Their pass pro was a joke. So I, I'm with you on this one. I think uh, Tampa Bay wins pretty comfortably. And I think uh, this stays under 52. Yeah, sitting at 52 right now, obviously 51 more key number in the NFL. If you have Calvin Ridley or Kyle Pitts on your team, we might need to start reconsidering, which leads me to believe if you have drafted your fantasy team, you need to dominate your league. Do so by purchasing an NBC Sports Edge Plus subscription. You get player projections, rankings, alerts for all your players on your roster, so much more. If you type in the code SARAH10, 10% off any annual subscription. I love it. And of course, you can use Drew 10 as well. Uh, this will help you not only with uh, setting your daily fantasy lineup with attacking your season long league uh, and getting the best of the you know, hopefully you got all the information and got your waiver wire situation figured out this week and you're ready to bounce back in week two. Uh, which is where I sit because I got my tail handed to me. Uh, Aaron Rodgers uh, didn't didn't do so hot for me week one as my quarterback, but that's okay. Uh, we uh, we fight another day. A lot of games left. Uh, the, uh, but yeah, use Drew Ten to get ten percent off for your NBC Sports Edge Plus subscription uh, and uh, win your fantasy league. NFL betting and fantasy, just the conversations are so relatable. Everyone had that player that you're like, we got to move onward and upward, and that starts with Aaron Rodgers and fantasy. Who better to break down the NFL in all seriousness than Jay Crouch, your head trader at points, but the guy that's making the lines. And ultimately, this will help you become a better better if you listen to Jay. And got to get your opinion on this Washington and uh, New York Giants game right now. Washington at home. The hook is there. They're laying three and a half. The total has been bet down, opened at 43. We're now looking at a 40 and a half. I am ultimately curious when you are setting this line, not even for the, the total, I want to focus on the side right now, what you're looking at when you guys are having the discussions with not only Heineke, but obviously we know Daniel Jones not being able to get the ball rolling, but the Giants tend to beat Washington. Daniel Jones has certainly done that. What's the discussion like? What are you guys evaluating in a low scoring game like this? Yeah, well, firstly, uh, happy birthday, Sarah, and happy birthday <laughs> to that magnificent graphic uh, that popped up for YouTube viewers before. Uh, but in terms of uh, Washington and New York, not the most marquee matchup, um, but there are some interesting things at play. I think that, you know, one of the key things is that Washington, uh, they should have lost by more against the Chargers last weekend. I think the Chargers really outplayed them. Uh, some key turnovers uh, that benefited Washington. Heineke did not look great, even though his stats weren't awful. Uh, so we see Heineke as a clear downgrade from Fitzpatrick. Uh, and then on the other side, the Giants, uh, they played about as badly as they could against Denver. So they're probably not as bad as they looked as against Denver. And Washington might not be as good as the scoreline indicated against the Chargers. And that's why that line has come down from you know minus four Washington where it opened to now it's sitting right in between. I mean, it's three and half but the juice is so um so there that it's effectively 3.25 inching <laughs> towards three so most of the activity that we've seen has been on the giants i think in a game like this people just throw
throw their hands up and take the points. And then also with the total, a lot of money coming in on the under. Uh, so we're hoping for a, a high scoring uh, win for Taylor Heineke. Wow. <laughs> Best of luck to you there. Uh, yeah. I, you know, I'll hold my nose and watch this game. I love Thursday Night Football. I'm mostly just looking forward to next week when we get to handicap Tyrod Taylor versus Sam Darnold in the uh, Texas in the Texans Panthers <laughs> game. That will be uh, outstanding. So let's do a three hour breakdown of that next week. Let's oh, yeah. You know let's what? let's do all Wednesday and all Thursday show just on that game. Yeah. Uh, let's let's get into a couple more of these uh, NFL games because there's a lot I'm curious about in terms of how the market is maturing this week. Did you guys make Make any interesting adjustments that are impacting you, you know, what you, how you hung some of these opening totals and, uh, you know, are there any specific totals that you guys are key on in terms of, uh, you know, kind of just what is the market doing at this point now that they've adjusted so much? We've seen three points down in Saints Panthers. We've seen two points up in Broncos Jaguars. Wow. Uh, two points up in Eagles uh, Niners and then three points up in Cowboys Chargers. Um, expecting any buyback here? Is, has the market settled on these are fair totals or what are your thoughts? I think for the most part now it's settled in after the initial big moves. We'll probably see more moves now of a half point to a point, not the three point jump that we saw with Dallas and the Chargers. I think that the Dallas and the Chargers one, which is the biggest move, that says a lot about you know the impact of Demarcus Lawrence and it also says a lot about just how good Justin Herbert was play to play uh, on Sunday against Washington, even if it ultimately didn't show up on the scoreboard. Uh, but a really interesting one for us is San Francisco and Philadelphia, where from an odds maker's perspective, I think the two most interesting teams in the league this weekend are Philadelphia and Arizona, just because we don't know if last week was real. Maybe the Titans are just really bad and Arizona uh, just had kind of one of those fluky wins where everything goes right against a not so good team. And Philadelphia, they are the most interesting team because Jalen Hurts looked fantastic, but he did it against Atlanta's defense, who might be the worst in the league. And also his average depth of target was less than four yards. So how real are they? I think that the Eagles are definitely real in the trenches. But beyond that, can their secondary hold up uh, against perhaps a bit more of a challenge in San Francisco? And then also their skill position players, can they uh, do work against the better defense? So there are worlds where the Eagles are favored for the NFC East after this weekend. If Dallas lose to the Chargers as expected and Philadelphia pulls an upset over San Francisco and, and look as good as they did uh, last weekend. Now, last week, we did talk to you. And um, when you talked about the underdogs, basically saying you needed them to come home, they did just that. One of the best starts in NFL week one history in terms of underdogs winning outright or, of course, covering the spread. The Eagles fit that script for week two now, as you mentioned, playing San Francisco. What's the money like in terms of the favorites? Are they taking more action now? Are you guys still rooting for underdogs? Or has the betting public and ultimately how they bet changed where now they're looking at more underdogs for week two? We're still rooting for underdogs, rooting for underdogs in perpetuity. Uh, the public can't get enough of favorites again. Uh, our biggest uh, handle uh, sides this week are the Rams uh, against the Colts. The Rams mi minus four, and then, now that's down to three and a half. And then the Patriots as well from minus three and a half up to minus six at the Jets. I think the Rams one is the really interesting one because 
you know, it's, it's always a concern perhaps for betters on the side of the favourite when uh, all of our handle is on the favourite and yet we're still shifting the line towards the underdog. That's what happened in mo- on Monday Night Football with uh, the Ravens where that was where our balance handle was. We moved the line towards the Raiders anyway because that's where the sharp money was coming in. And this Rams-Colts game is shaping up the same way where we don't care so much about the weight of money on the Rams because the informed money is shifting the line towards the Colts. Well, hat tip to you. You told us last week that the Raiders were going to win outright, and you were correct. Uh, and <laughs> that it one only, hurt. It, that it, one it, hurt. Yeah, it only took a 55-yard field goal and, you know, a couple of Jackson fumbles. <laughs> Never a doubt. Um, what, uh, let's pivot a little bit because I'm dying to know what your take is on some of these pennant races as we come down to the business end of the MLB season. Almost, uh, almost there. The marathon is almost over. We're getting uh, here. Here we are midway through September. What's going on in the NL West market? I imagine you guys have been writing plenty of Dodgers action and all of a sudden this is going to come down to the last week of the season. Can the Giants hold on or and you know what is you know what are some of your major liabilities there? Yeah, so I think the interesting thing in this market in the NL is that the Dodgers are only a coin flip to win their division yet are still the favorite to win the pennant, which just goes to show, you know, the the depth of absurd talent on that on that roster, but if they do fall into the wild card, then they're, they're clearly not going to be clear favorites. But right now we make the NL West effectively a coin flip where the Dodgers are one and a half games back, but they are the better team. Uh, so that could go either way. And then the third team in that division, the team that was expected to compete with the Dodgers instead of the Giants, but hasn't, the Padres, they're right in the thick of it for that final wild card spot with teams like St. Louis, Cincinnati, and Philadelphia. Cincinnati and Philadelphia can't get out of their own way right now, uh, dropping games to well, Cincinnati losing to the Pirates too straight and Philly unable to make ground despite playing the Rockies and the Cubs. Uh, the Cardinals are the only team that are really taking care of business in that wild card race. But ultimately, we don't really expect those teams to feature uh, at the top of the odds board for the pennants. That's clearly now Milwaukee, San Francisco, and Atlanta. Atlanta, people are thinking of sleeping on a little bit where they have still a really strong position in the division. But those three teams, they'll be the biggest challenges to the Dodgers at this point. Yeah, I'd agree with that. The only thing I really like right now, we talked about it the other day, are the Toronto Blue Jays and the way they're playing now heading into this wild card and postseason. Fairly quickly, what's going on with the, the Ford in that championship and, and now the action that you're seeing after everything that's gone on? Yeah, so the story here is John Rahm being plus 375 to win a PGA Tour event. That is the shortest that any favorite has been since gambling was legalized in 2018. And the reason for that is, is that, I mean, Rahm against fields with the best players in the world he was you know six to one going off that and now in a much more limited field where he's the only player in the Ryder Cup who's competing uh, that's why he's plus 375 because we see such a severe gap between him and everyone else are you guys taking money on him at plus 375 just curious we are yeah people <laughs> like it is he gonna play Still up in the, game. <laughs> the wine hangover the red wine hangover they can be bad yeah, no, the expectation is at this stage he will. But uh, yeah, and people, he's 25% of our handle uh, oh, wow. in the outright market. So people liking John Rahm, despite the uh, extremely short price. 
And the stomach issue that's been reported after withdrawing from the... Uh, I've had plenty of those in Napa. I, I can relate. I have too. I've had them all over <laughs> Napa, Vegas, you name it. I tend to get a little cold uh, whenever I'm out there. Jay, thank you so much. You can follow Jay on Twitter at PointsBetGhost. He is with us every single week, giving us the insight and a peek behind the curtain at PointsBet. Jay, have a great day. Thanks, Sarah. Thanks, Drew. We appreciate all of you guys listening to us here on Bet the Edge. Wherever you're listening, make sure to rate the podcast. Of course, sign up. Trying to give you the most actionable information in just about 30 minutes or less every single weekday. The lines are crazy. They move quickly. Sign up. Do yourself a favor. Try to get an edge with us. Of course, follow us on Twitter as well. We are always open to any tips, any recommendations, any birthday picks. Please send us DMs. <laughs> Only on send me winners. Only winners, though. Please. Only winners. Only no, winners. Only winners. Uh, you can reach out to Sarah at Sarah Perlman, and I am available at whale underscore capper. And we can find our next guest, of course, Dan Beaver at Fantasy Race. And Dan, thanks for joining us today because Drew and I need help with the NASCAR playoffs in Bristol on Saturday night. And you, my friend, do an awesome job always handicapping these races. And I look at the favorites here yet again, Kyle Busch, plus 460, Kyle Larson, 5-1, to one, and Chase Elliott, plus 850. These guys are always typically in the favorites discussion, shortest odds, but ultimately, a little bit better odds I could make an argument for Chase Elliott than I've seen in quite some time. Ultimately, who do you lean to to win this weekend? Well, somewhat surprisingly, this is the first time Kyle Busch has been the favorite this year. I mean, he was coming off uh, such a bad uh, season last year and didn't get out of the gates very quick. Then you've got Larson and Elliott uh, dominating things. So it's the first time Kyle's been the, the, the favorite, but I think you've got to go with him. Joe Gibbs Racing has been so strong recently, and I think that's going to continue. Kyle Busch has three wins in the last uh, seven races at Bristol and another three top fives, including a second last fall in this race. So I think the Gibbs domination continues. I think this time it's Kyle Busch. Very, very. I'm taking notes here as you're talking because this is a very, very tough handicap for me. I really uh, love when we get to playoff time. And to be honest with you, feels like there's some dark horses with some chances. This much margin at the top of the board is really tough for me to kind of wrap my head around. Can you put, point me in the right direction for a couple of guys kind of in the 10 to 1, 20 to 1 range? Yeah, I think we've got some pretty good uh, picks, one of which is is Kyle's brother, Kurt. It's another great track for him. He needs a strong run. He's right there on the bubble to make the playoffs or not make the playoffs. And if he doesn't get a top 10, a top five, then I think he's probably in trouble. So Kurt Busch uh, has won here fairly recently. I think he, and when he won, it was he and his brother that uh, were, were battling for it. So he is a standard long shot. For a little more interesting long shot, Ross Chastain's been on a roll lately. Ooh. And he has two top fives in the last two rough surfaced tracks at Nashville and at Darlington. He's coming off a strong run last week. I do something called the power rankings each week. He's uh, squeaked his way up into the top 10 there. I think Ross Chastain isn't necessarily a great bet for the outright win. But if you can find positive odds for a top 10, take them. I think that's a lock. Nice. Ross Chastain, 50 to 1 to win, but I like the top 10 market. He does have two top 10 finishes in his last two races. He finished third at Darlington, seventh at Richmond. So definitely going to keep our eye on him. Fairly quickly, looked across the board. There's a crazy long shot in Daniel Suarez. What do we do with him? Because he does have two top 10 finishes at Bristol. How much does that play into how he could possibly perform in the playoffs here? 
another another strong dark horse, and I think he's somebody else uh, that you you've got to take. He challenged for the win on the dirt track version. Uh, this track uh, when they threw clay on it this spring, oh, wow. and that was a huge surprise. So Suarez is one of those guys that's going to pop up from time to time. It's nice when we have practice and qualification, but even without it, you can kind of expect that he's going to do a little bit better than, uh, than you would think. And if you're digging deep into your pockets, then Suarez is, is a good pick there also. Again, not necessarily for the win, but if you could find a positive uh, line for a top 10, then he's your guy, another guy. Oh, we could find we could find some money, some plus money rather in that top 10 market without a doubt with those long shot prices. Dan, thank you as always. Love having you on. If you're not already, as I said, follow Dan on Twitter at Fantasy Race. You could read all of his in-depth handicapping of motorsports right on our website, NBCSportsEdge.com. You had the trifecta once this year. This guy's on fire. Dan, thanks so much. Thank you. I do love learning about, you know, NASCAR in the playoffs. It's an of interesting course. market just with the top 10, top fives and outright winners. It's something that I've kept my eye on this year more than ever, Drew. Absolutely. And uh, those nuggets will uh, help us in more ways than one, because honestly, the, uh, the, the this time of year, uh, yeah, there's got to be value on the board with the betters focused so much on college football, NFL, MLB, end of the that's season. That's a good point. Yeah, they, that's got to be a market that's worth attacking. Let's go to the sharpest market in the world. Let's go to the NFL. Let's go. <laughs> New edge of the day. Well, we're trying to find our edge and we're making a case. And uh, I like my edge of the day today. I'll tell you that much. But Drew, you start us off. You look at the board and this market and it is stinky. Who do you like? Uh, so, uh, so far, the strongest market agreement I've gotten this week is on my edge of the day today. Uh, I it. played the Pittsburgh Steelers at four and a half. It's steamed up now to five and a half. I don't see a ton of difference really in those two prices. My value on the, on the even though five is more common now in the NFL than it used to be because of the two-point conversions, it's still not enough that I would say that there's not an edge at five and a half. And so I'm fine with five and a half as my edge of the day on the Pittsburgh Steelers. And there's a couple reasons that I really like love this play. Pittsburgh is in a beautiful situation here. Las Vegas is coming in on short rest after a very emotional Monday night football win. Not only just uh, a game that went relatively late, but uh, went into overtime and went, almost went the full duration of overtime. Uh, and on top of that, you had a Raiders team that suffered a number of meaningful injuries in that game. It sounds like Ngakwe is questionable with a hammy. Uh, they lost uh, at least one, if not two, offensive linemen. You know, one of them potentially uh, who missed practice yesterday and Richie Incognito is a it moves the number for me with that offensive line and particularly how they uh, relate with uh, with Derek Carr's performance. Darren Waller, obviously, as Sarah knows, and her brilliant uh, receptions prop from Monday night, uh, targeted 20 times or something insane like that. So exactly. the Raiders offense goes through Darren Waller, and uh, he's going to have a brilliant matchup against Minka Fitzpatrick, who was a standout defensive performer in week one, I thought. Uh, and that is going to be a fun one to watch. I do not think that Waller is good enough to get the better of Minka Fitzpatrick in his current form. Uh, and uh, of course, the TJ Watt and the defensive line for the Pittsburgh Steelers was able to generate pressure on Josh Allen with only bringing four. They did not have to blitz. They can recreate that performance. Then Derek Carr is in deep trouble in this game. I think the Pittsburgh Steelers defense can put up a second spectacular effort. If you can hold the Buffalo Bills to 16 points in Buffalo, you could probably pitch a shutout at home against this Raiders team, considering who is healthy. And all you really need then is Ben to do his thing 
uh, and he's got uh, enough weapons, and those weapons match up well against the secondary here for the Raiders. So uh, I like everything about this look, and I think Pittsburgh wins relatively comfortably hosting the Raiders. Fantastic. Look, you were all over the Steelers as dogs last week. Biggest upset on the board with ultimately the win over the Bills. Seems like you have a good read on this team. This matchup, because of all the points you mentioned, plus the short rest is huge. I love the Steelers with you at five and a half this week. For my edge of the day, I'm going to go for tonight and give some actionable info. And I mentioned it and we mentioned it 47,000 times. It's my birthday. So please <laughs> give me a dub. If you're listening, I want the dub tonight. And I'm going back to the tight end. I mentioned Darren Waller last week. Let's go back or a Monday. Let's go back with it today. And I like Logan Thomas. I looked at his receptions prop right now. It is sitting four and a half for what it's worth. I will just say points. That's taking a lot of money on the under 69% of the handle. Maybe they're rooting for the over. I sure hope so, because that's where I'm going. Logan Thomas, three targets, three receptions last week. All of that occurred when Heineke entered the game. He finished with 30 yards and that touchdown, the only touchdown in the game. But it seems like these two tend to connect more than if Ryan Fitzpatrick was in the game. I go back to last year and the wild card game, and Thomas had five receptions, 74 yards, obviously with Heineke at the quarterback position. And now Washington is facing the Giants, who... Um, gave up 62 yards and six receptions uh, against Noah Fant in week one. They struggle just a little bit against the tight end. So for me, I like Logan Thomas, not only with his rapport with the quarterback, but also because the Giants do tend to struggle against the tight end. So for this match at minus 115 right now, I will take Logan Thomas and go over four and a half receptions, Drew. Brilliant. James Bradbury wipes away Terry McLaurin, who yep. is the next most likely target for Taylor Heineke, who uh, is relatively limited in his ability to attack down the field. It's Logan Thomas. Uh, safety blanket for Taylor. This is a good one. I think uh, I think I will be riding with you on this one. And, you know, good good on you giving giving the people a birthday winner. Good for you. That's what I'm trying. Listen, you don't need to have 60 yards again. You could have 20 yards. Just get some quick, easy passes yeah. from your QB, as you said, as a safety blanket. Okay, thank you guys so much for tuning in to Bet the Edge today. If you have not already, check out NBCSportsEdge.com. You could use Sarah 10 or Drew 10 as the code to sign up, by the way, for your subscriptions, just so you're getting the best fantasy and betting analysis. Thank you for tuning in on our YouTube channel. We really do appreciate that. Do not forget to subscribe and rate the podcast. Good luck with all your plays. Enjoy this crazy high-scoring affair. No, I'm kidding. Enjoy this crazy game tonight with Bell Washington and the New York Giants. We'll see you tomorrow. Good luck with all your plays. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil.